Here we go. Welcome to the Transform with Travel podcast, where we share stories of personal transformation and life lessons through our experiences of traveling and exploring the world. Travel is the ultimate accelerator for personal growth, and it can be the root catalyst for the pivots and plot twists we make in our lives. I'm your host, Kelly Tolliday, and it's my mission to inspire you to live life to its fullest, travel with an open mind and heart, and let the world show you a new perspective. I'm so grateful you're here with us today, so let's dive right in. Happy exploring. Welcome to the Transform with Travel podcast. I'm so excited to have a very, very, very special guest here with me today, Candon Arseniega. And for those who don't know her maiden name, it is Schwantis, which happens to be my maiden name, which means we're cousins. <laughs> special family day today. So Candon here. She is a historian and tour guide in Washington, D.C., with four published books about the city. She has written for HuffPost Travel and has been featured in Washington Post and numerous other D.C. papers. She's been interviewed by the BBC, NPR, Travel Channel, and Discovery Family Channel. So cool. And Candon is the producer of the podcast Tour Guide Tell All with an MA in History from University College London and a BA in History from Elon University, which I got to visit you when I was young and when you were at Elon University. That was so cool. (laughs) You've led tours in D.C. for over 10 years and you currently reside in D.C., but you've lived in London and South Korea. You've traveled to 28 countries and every U.S. state except Hawaii. She now has two adorable, adorable children that you homeschool now and exploring the plethora of museums in D.C. So a lot of really amazing things that we can touch on today. And I'm so, so excited. I'd love to give you an opportunity just to share where this passion for history and travel have like, where do you think that stemmed from for you? So I was thinking this the other day because I was like, all right, transform with travel. How has travel transformed me? And I think it's our grandma started all this because it must have Absolutely. been the way that our dads were raised because they raised us the same. Cause I don't think, I don't know. I've never had a life without travel. Like I don't, I don't, I can't do a before and after I traveled. Exactly. I had been to most States before I could like remember or acknowledge that traveling to different States was a cool thing. I spent the summer between eighth and ninth grade in Japan. Like we just, this is how we grew up and that's how I'm raising my kids. So I think it's a Schwantus thing. I definitely um, think it's in our blood for sure. <laughs> it absolutely is. And but except for my sister, also your cousin, but she did not get this travel gene. I was reading, so we're going to Basque Country in Spain in a couple of weeks. So I was reading a book about it on our family vacation at the lake house. And Kelsey was like, I've never met anyone who reads a book about the place they're going to travel to. And I was like, really? I've, I've never met anyone who doesn't. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> different lives. But anyway, yeah, yeah I feel like dad just always loved traveling and loved history. And it just this how I was raised. And I distinctly remember a paper, paper in quotation marks, because it was third grade. But it was one of, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it's like, I want to be a historian. I have never not wanted to be a historian. Because I love going to new places, learning about the local culture and what life is like now. But I really like to learn about what life used to be there and just being in the place where it happened is something that just always speaks to me. And it's just, it's been my whole life. And I'm very grateful that I was able to find a career that continues that passion. And it's not something I just have to do on the side for fun. Absolutely. And I can definitely attest to that historian gene also runs strong in your side of the family, that your dad is the historian of our family and just really taking on that role of, of documenting, you know, the things that happened in Schwantis past. And now you're kind of taking on that role for us too. You're, you're he's, I have so many boxes. passing on the torch. <laughs> so many boxes. And I love how you said that you found a job that merges that passion for history and travel, but you didn't just stumble into that. Can you talk about that journey of merging, you know, those two passions together? Yeah. So I, I keep bringing up Kelsey who love her to death. She's not going to ever, she doesn't listen to podcasts. So I yeah. can I <laughs> you're safe here. <laughs> this is going to be the and, one she listens to though. I you know, know that. I know that's no, fine. <laughs> no, I have to credit her. We, so I was living in London. I went to graduate school at UCL and the family came to visit. No, reluctantly, dad did not want to come. Dad loves to travel, does not like cities. 
but we, I distinctly remember we were walking on the Thames and I said some fun fact. It was like, oh, did you know that this is 215 miles long? And Kelsey just rolled her eyes and she's like, why are you always a tour guide? And I was like, oh, I, I am. <laughs> I am always a tour guide. And it just kind of put that little, that little kernel into my mind because that is how I travel. I research everything. I love to look at fun facts. And then I love to make sure everyone else knows about them. And our visas. Oh, so I'm, I met my husband in London. He was not my husband in London, nor is he British. He's American, <laughs> uh, but our visas expired. So we had to come back to America and we chose to live in Washington, DC for a very random reason. And I was like, what? A, what am I going to do? I don't want to teach history. I'm not a sit in a classroom all day kind of person. And I was like, maybe I could, maybe I could be a tour guide. So I started looking into whether you could be a tour guide in Washington, DC as a year long career and not just because my experience with tour guides in, is backpackers in Europe who stay for a summer in Prague and lead tours occasionally. And I was like, Oh, Oh, it looks like this is a thing people do in DC. There's tourism year round. It's something you can make a living with. So I started as a tour guide with a company. I was part-time. I enjoyed it. The company was run by lovely people, but men in their 30s. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, y'all y'all are doing some of this wrong. So I just started to like take over emails and then take over phones and then take over marketing. And then I became part owner. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and then we expanded. We went to New York and then LA and Chicago, New Orleans, and then we expanded abroad to London. And now we are in something like 84 cities. And I was kind of like, well, I'm going to go to Nashville. Should I write some Nashville tours? Yeah. So every time I travel to a new place, I kind of make it a part of the company and then we start to expand there. So I actually wrote the first three New Orleans tours before we ever went there, just because I was like, well, I'm going to New Orleans for a wedding. Why don't we set up tours in New Orleans? So I was able to kind of combine my love of researching random places and just start spreading the word on the internet. And that's yeah. what the company was formed. <laughs> How cool. And so you get to travel for work. Like when you go to a new place, you get to really bridge that gap and say, okay, I'm, I'm doing this research anyways. I might as well create the tour. And so when you, when you're expanding in new cities, like all over the world, how, how does that work in terms of getting new tour guides? Is it just recruiting people in, or do you have people that you send over there? How does that work? It is very case by case. Mm. So Los Angeles opened because one of our DC, no, San Francisco opened because one of our DC tour guides was like, I'm moving back home to San Francisco. Do you have San Francisco tours? I was like, we don't. Would you like to do it? So he set up San Francisco by foot. LA happened because the Chicago tour guide moved to LA. So sometimes we have an already established relationship with someone we know is capable and knowledgeable and good moving to a new city. And they're able to kind of create things from scratch. Sometimes we find a company that already exists. So a lot of mm. our European cities are partnerships with other companies that exist for giving the tours. And our purpose is more of the travel content and the, the research and the SEO and getting people to our website. And then they find this partner tour company through our website. So it, it really depends on kind of what exists already. We're all about locals leading tours or not. I mean, I'm not from D.C. originally, so not that kind of local, but people who've at least lived there for a year or two and have been able to really experience the city before they start leading tours. Yeah, absolutely. Almost like being like a stakeholder of the city, like having a passion for it and truly and truly wanting to share the education and the history and all that. I am always so excited to see people doing amazing things. And it just shows with a little bit of creativity, you really can merge your passions together and you really can find your footing in an industry that not many people might even know is possible as a job. And so I think that's really cool. I also think it takes a very special person like yourself, also an oldest daughter to, <laughs> to just like slowly creep your way into a company and be like, all right, now I just, now I just own this company <laughs> exactly, <that's laughs> and like exactly be able to happened. expand around the world. So 
I think that's really cool. So what's it been like for you, like being in the travel industry, what's it been like for you over the last, you know, three or four years? I know we don't need to say the dreaded pandemic, the dreaded, the dreaded C word, you know, all that, but, but what's that been like for you? And how have you seen the evolution of like the travel industry really evolve over the last few years? So much has changed. I am a look on the bright side kind of person. So a, a lot of what has changed to the travel industry entirely benefited our company just because the way we existed before. I've always focused on local travel. So I want DC locals to take our tours. Mm. So we have tours of the National Mall. Nobody who lives in DC goes on a tour of the National Mall. You know, they drive past the Washington Mon Monument on the way to work. They don't, they just don't do that. So we always had tours of very specific neighborhoods. And when COVID first hit, I was like, all right, guys, we already work outside. We're already in small groups. We already social distance just because that is the nature of a small group walking tour. Let's get local residents of DC to book our tours. We already have the knowledge because we've already done this and we did this in every city. So when people stopped traveling, we were like, tour your own city. Yeah. Uh, so that really helped us. And we didn't have to pivot. Everyone talks about pivoting. Yeah. We didn't really have to pivot because it was just, this is what we already did. And then I've always been someone who plans ahead. I mean, I have color coded itineraries and map. This is a, a Jay Schwantes thing. Yes, for sure. <laughs> um, but my husband, Manny, does not do that. This is not how he travels. He just likes to show up and see what happens. Drives me crazy. But I, once I met him, I learned that, you know, this is how some people travel. So I have incorporated that into the company. You can book a tour the same day. So when people started traveling again a couple year or two ago, they, it was all last minute. People were like, all right, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to travel in three months, so I'm not going to book a tour now. Mm -hmm. I'll see what's available when I show up. But because Manny has taught me that people travel like this sometimes, our company always allowed people to book last minute. And uh, that has continued. People are still last minute bookers. It drives me crazy from a personal standpoint because I don't yeah. understand how you could travel like that. But it's not something we really had to change because we, we've already done it. I would say the biggest shift I've seen is the, is the, kind of the the need for flexibility from a mm. provider's standpoint. Flexible cancellation policies, rescheduling, just understanding that things come up. We've tweaked our rescheduling and cancellation policies with COVID, knowing that that is what people need. But for the most part, because we operated in a way that worked with people's mentality during COVID, we saw an increase in bookings. We saw an increase of people coming to us because we're like, hey, we're super experienced in this this local tourism because we've done it for a decade. But yeah, I Yeah. Super cool. I I really I never really thought about how much it's changed in terms of the flexibility as aspect. So obviously during the pandemic, we expected brands to understand flexibility. And now we're just continuing to demand that. Like now it's just part of the travel culture. Like you have to provide flexible scheduling options. And we're even seeing that in the retreat business. People are waiting two weeks even to book a retreat, you know, four hours away or six hour flight away, people are just not wanting to fully commit. And I think that's that kind of change that we're seeing in that travel industry is needing that flexibility. And if you're not willing to adapt to that, then you're going to start losing, losing that foothold, really. I think that's a really interesting observation. This episode is brought to you by Child & Company. Child & Company is South Florida's first family-friendly office space featuring private offices, a professional content creation studio, and childcare for hybrid work and work from home parents located in Boca Raton. Child & Company is founded on the belief that you shouldn't have to choose between raising a family and being career driven. Their core mission is to create an environment where family and work can exist in harmony. The best part to me as a mom is that you can pop in and breastfeed your baby or have lunch with your toddler if you like, and then pop back into your office for your Zoom meeting which I think is so key, especially for newborn moms going back to work. 
it's the perfect transition from emerging out of the newborn bubble and getting back to the business you love. Child & Company provides you the flexibility to work in a beautifully designed, ergonomic private office with insanely good Wi-Fi connection and soundproofing while just being steps away from your child. They have monthly themes that they base their lessons on, like exploring the animals of the Amazon, which I obviously love when children get opportunities to learn more about the world and build a sense of curiosity. Child & Company offers weekly and monthly classes and events, like some beanie, music class for babies, mindful cooking for toddlers, big kid yoga, and mindful mama community events, and so much more. I've been a member since February 2023, utilizing their private offices and their professional content creation studio. Child & Company is where all of the magic happens for this podcast. Their beautiful recording studio is soundproofed with state-of-the-art equipment, microphones, lighting, and cameras. So you can record your podcast, course content, meditation clips, and anything else you might want to record for your business. The Child & Company team truly feels like family. They are an extension of my team over here at Rising Nature Retreats and the Transform with Travel podcast, as well as an extension of my own family. If you're local to Palm Beach and Broward County, do yourself a favor and check out Child & Company. Visit www.childandcompany.com or head over to Instagram at Child & Company. So you mentioned that you lived in London and you met Manny, your husband there. Can you talk a little bit about what brought you to London in the first place and what that journey was like? Really, that was your first foray living overseas, correct? We'll start at the beginning. <laughs> start at the top. <laughs> I, yeah. So Elon has a really great study abroad program. And they also have a really good teaching program. And I was an education major. I never finished it because they required me to student teach. And I was like, I've already decided that I don't want to be a teacher. Right. I'm not going to do this. But my best friend, my college roommate was part of a program that requires you to study abroad in London the spring semester of your sophomore year. Wow. Because I was an education major, like all of my friends were going to go to London. And I was like, well, I'll go too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it, it was just like, I want to study abroad. I don't actually speak any other languages. London sounds fun. Why not? It was my first time in London and I stepped off the plane and London has this smell. And I know it sounds, it sounds weird, but there's this particular smell to London that not everyone will probably enjoy, but I smelled it and I was like, this feels like home. Oh. <laughs> London does not smell like my parents' house. I don't nope. know why that was my first thought. London just, and uh, North Carolina aren't right, necessarily on the different. same. <laughs> <laughs> but it had like, it just something about, and I can like, I haven't, it's been a couple, maybe a year or two since I've been back to London. I can still, I still like remember what it smells. Right. But it just, it felt, it felt right. London felt like home. So I studied abroad, loved it. I was like, well, I'm going to move back here after college. This place is great. And I said, well, I'm going to go to graduate school. And I had a, a professor who taught at UCL, University College London, who wrote all these papers that I used for my own research in undergrad. I was like, well, I'm going to study with him. And me being me, I just emailed him. And I was like, I would like to study with you. How do I make this happen? He's yeah. like, well, you, you have to go to UCL. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. Not knowing that UCL is a very hard school to get into. So I applied. I argued with them for many times to make sure that they let me in. I'm just very, <laughs> I'm very persistent. Tenacious. Yeah. Um, tenacious is a much better word. Uh, so I, I got in. I was like, all right, well, I, I want to go to London to live before, before graduate school starts, make some money. So I got a BUNAC visa, which doesn't exist anymore. I've discovered, which is such yeah. a shame. So I got to live for six months. I was able to work under this visa. And at the end of the six months, I had zero dollar negative, a negative amount of money. I was like, I can't afford graduate school right now because I, I can't afford life right now. I am a big believer in three signs. If the world and universe gives me three signs, I do it. And three signs showed up for me to move to South Korea. So I left London and moved to South Korea to get a teaching English job, which I highly recommend. I loved it. Yeah. It was where, where were you? So You're I lived, in... it was called Bundong. It's a suburb of, of Seoul. Uh, okay. Very, very wealthy suburbs. So I had a, I was, I was set at a very nice <laughs> life. I just, I loved everything about South Korea. 
And so I taught there for a year. I made, I paid off all my debts. I made some money. I had deferred grad school. And then when a year went up in South Korea, I was like, all right, I'm going to go back to North Carolina, get my life together. And then I'll go back to move to London for grad school a couple of weeks before the semester starts. While I was in North Carolina, I was looking for places to stay. And I had two options. I applied to be a resident assistant at this international student hall. And I just found an apartment on Gumtree, which is like the British equivalent of Craigslist. We do Gumtree in Australia too. Oh, I love it. (laughs) And I did not get the RA job. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go stay in this whatever flat. I was about... So this was at a time where we were still kind of changing... High speed, constant internet access, not a thing yet. So I was going to fax the lease over to the flat in London. And in order to do that, I was going to have to turn off the internet <laughs> so I could fax the lease. And I was like, well, I'm going to check my email real quick. And I did that. And I had an email from the RA job saying, wait, the other person can't do it. Would you like this job? Oh, wow. Is it? They gave you a travel card, a free place to stay in Chelsea, no less, a very nice wow. neighborhood. Wow. Hugh, Gra- Hugh Grant was my next door neighbor. And I was like, yeah, I absolutely want this free place to stay. So I was like, did not fax the lease over, just ripped it up and accepted this job. And that is where I met Manny. He was also an RA at the same, at the same res hall. And so wow. if I, like, if I had not checked my email, I would have not ever, I mean, I feel like I would have met Manny at some point, but yeah. It it's just so crazy how like the, re- like the revolving door, like how just you have moments in your life where you're like, that's you're like, and you can look back and be like, that was the deciding moment. Like when I decided to just check one more time or exactly. just, just say yes to this one opportunity. It's so cool. So then you live in London, you do your grad program, you and Manny start dating in London? No. Because that's a whole nother story. <laughs> it's, a whole, it's a whole nother story. He had a girlfriend of nine years when we met. Oh, I did Lord. not steal him. <laughs> we were just, we were best friends. And then finally we realized that we were in love and we told everybody and they're all like, yeah, duh. <laughs> like we didn't a little, see it, A every, little Lon- a London fairy tale. Did. I love yeah, it. So we did not start dating till we moved back to the States. Gotcha. Okay. Awesome. And so... You, you've talked about moving back and forth, London, South Korea, home, like you're kind of all over the place. What was it like for you kind of really understanding your own process of processing culture shock or processing how different countries did it differently? It was interesting. I didn't get, I never felt much of a culture shock in the UK. And I, mm-hmm. I like to believe in past lives. I don't know. It just sounds something that I would like to be true. Yeah. Uh, so in that vein, I like to think that at some point I had lived in London. So that's why I was like, oh, you're home. There is quite a bit different <laughs> between the UK and the States. There really is. It's almost but like I delayed know. culture shock. I always say like when you go to Australia, you think everything's the same. And but when you're really there for an extended period of time, it's like almost like a delayed culture shock. We are like, whoa, actually things are really different than yeah. you would expect. Yeah. It was interesting. I... I lost my Southern accent very quickly. Yes. Um, though I still say y'all as a good word. I don't yeah. <laughs> it's a staple um, in your, in your vocabulary. Yes. It's just, it's, and it's gender <laughs> inclusive. So I feel like more people should use it. Yeah. As soon as people, first of all, everyone heard my Southern accent and assumed I was from Texas, which yep. was very offensive. It's the only and option. It's the George only Bush option. Was president. George yep. W. Bush was president at the time. So they were like, Oh, Bush. And I was like, no. <laughs> not, not even. But I realized when I went to school in the UK later, I think Obama was president at this point, when my Southern accent, everyone thought I was not intelligent. And that drove me crazy. And still, I still do not agree with that statement. Yeah. But I, I assimilated, I guess, and lost a lot of that to, to help me feel better. I would say I had more of a culture shock coming back to America. Right. And I did when I lived in the UK or South Korea. South Korea is very Americanized. Obviously, they speak Korean there, but everything's written in English. Most people speak English. Their grammar is better than mine. So they're, they're really, other than having to learn the, the Korean alphabet, I didn't have to change much of my life over there. But when I came back to the States, so much had changed. Mm. The whole social media, everyone has smartphones. I did not get a smartphone until I moved abroad. So there were not smartphones 
yet when I lived in the States. But when I came back, everyone had smartphones, everyone had social media. There was so much culturally that I had missed out. I remember a conversation. I got uh, a Snuggie and Snooky, the person from Jersey Shore, which I've still never seen, but I know who she is now. I got those mixed up. <laughs> I was referring to a Snuggie as a Snooky. And everyone's like, what on earth are you talking about? Oh my but God, so that's much hysterical. Yeah, I wasn't gone that long. But so much like it was like a very seismic culture shift while I was away. Mm. And I came back and I was like, I'm sorry, we're doing what now? What what's what is happening? So it just and there are still things that I much prefer about the UK that I wish would happen in America. Okay, well, there's a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> that I wish would happen here. But like little things like the the quarter and the grocery cart. I mm-hmm. would I like that. I think we, I mean the Aldi here does it now. But I wish more places did that. Waiting in line properly. Yep. Drives queuing, me crazy. Queuing up. <laughs> I yeah. don't understand why, why we cannot do it here. But it, and I think having access to the internet when I, because social media was starting to happen while I was abroad, just in a kind of a different way, it helped. I, I had constant access to home. I had a international calling plan on my cell phone. I talked to my mom every day, which I still do. She'll listen to this. Hi, mom. Aww. And then, so it, I don't feel like the, the culture shock at the places that I lived was really that hard enough that I had to figure out a way to deal with it. G'day mates from the land down under. Just kidding. I'm right here in South Florida enjoying a true blue Aussie coffee, pastry, and meat pie at my absolute favorite cafe here in South Florida, Bites and Coffee. That's B-Y-T-E and coffee located in Lighthouse Point. Bite and Coffee is owned and managed by the absolute best couple from down under, Dan and Kat, who moved to South Florida from Melbourne, Australia with the dream of bringing the incredible Aussie cafe culture to the States. As someone who's lived in Australia for five years, I surely do miss my Aussie flat white coffee, brekkie buns, and sausage rolls. But what I miss more is the sense of community when you step inside your favorite cafe. You know that feeling when you walk in and they already know your order and it's ready to go? Yeah, that kind of feeling. Bite and Coffee brings the good vibes, delicious food and coffee, and the true sense of family. I can bring my little girls for breakfast and know that they are welcomed. If you're living in South Florida or just visiting and passing by, I highly recommend heading over to Bite and Coffee and grabbing a coffee with your breakfast or lunch, or even checking out their incredible wine and beer selection with a delicious charcuterie board at night. It's the perfect spot for a catch up with a friend or a business meeting. As a special gift to listeners, when you order at Bite, be sure to mention Transform with Travel for 10% off your order. So go ahead and check it out. Bite and Coffee located in Lighthouse Point. Yeah, I I actually really agree with that. It's I talk to, a, a, obviously, I talk to a lot of travelers and it's almost the coming home is sometimes the hardest part. And especially when you've opened your eyes up to new ways of being, new ways of living, you're like, oh, that that works really well over there. Why don't we do that here? And, and yeah, the, the coming home aspect of it can sometimes be harder because this is home and you can't just like escape that and, and not realize that things, things take slower time to change. So one thing I wanted to point on when you mentioned about London was the smell. I think that is such an interesting point about traveling because I also have a very distinct smell of Bali. It's like a mixture of sweat and clove cigarettes and, and sewage. Like it's those three things. And it sounds awful, but it's like this like really gnarly, like sweet mixture of scents <laughs> that like sometimes I'll pass like an, like a drain or something. And I'm like, Oh wow, that smells like Bali, <laughs> you know, but it's, you're like, I'm but nowhere near way. Bali, but in a good way. I know that sounds really awfully weird, but anybody that's been to Bali or Thailand, you'll kind of get the sense of that. So I, I, the, the sense of smell is just so nostalgic and so deeply rooted in our memory. So I think that wasn't really interesting that you pointed that out. The second thing was you spoke about your mom and then you talked to her every day and you guys traveled a lot as kids. I remember we went on RV trips together in North Carolina. I used to visit you guys every summer. Your dad used to put me on the back of his motorcycle and do laps around the neighborhood. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. So you guys obviously grew up. When I say you guys, I mean you and your sister, Kelsey, you guys grew up with such a sense of adventure and your parents travel so much together. They've done some really awesome stuff. What was that like when you 
said, okay, I'm going to go live abroad. And then I'm going to go live abroad again. And then again, like what was their kind of thought process or encouragement or what would that look like for you guys or for you, I guess? So Manny and I had this conversation recently because his parents are going to meet us in Spain. We're we're going to the town of Arseniega. Oh, wow. my, My last name. Um, I married into this, but he is descended from a Basque family. Uh, so we're going to go do this. And I was asking, well, what do your parents want to do while, while we're in Spain? And he was like, they, they'll probably just kind of follow us. Or they don't have an opinion. And I was like, that's so weird to me <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because my family. So my mom wanted to see, we really like Klimt, the artist and the woman in gold is up in the new gallery in New York. So mom and I were like, let's go to New York for the weekend. And many like, that's just not what we did growing up. So when he had his conversation with his parents about moving abroad, it was a huge thing. Right. I don't remember my conversation because I don't think my parents were even remotely surprised. Yeah. I remember when I was in London. So I moved from London to Korea without coming home. I went from London to Seoul. And I remember calling my parents and said, hey, I'm going to defer grad school for a year and move to South Korea. And they're like, I don't know if that's a good choice. Most people who defer probably don't go back. Right. I'm like, nah, nah, I'm going to do it. It'll be fine. And they didn't have a lot of knowledge about South Korea. I didn't either. I was, I was very surprised when I arrived. I was like, this is not what I imagined South Korea to be at all. But that's the only conversation I remember. So it must not have been traumatic or a big deal. A big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, we just, we did this. I, the only thing growing up travel related, what my parents rule for my travel was I was not allowed to go to Greece or New Zealand before my mom did. Right. (laughs) And that was just something I promised her. Those were the two places. And she's been to both now. I, I mean, we, we went to Greece together and she's been to New Zealand. So I'm allowed to go. But that was it. That she just, she's like, just don't go before me. <laughs> I was like, okay. I know. And um, you know what? When you have like such little boundaries around traveling with your parents that you want to respect it, right? Because I remember exactly. we were in Europe and me and my girlfriend really wanted to go to Turkey. But there was a, at the time that was when ISIS was kind of really occupying that area. And my dad was like, look, I never want to say no when it comes to exploring, but (laughs) you can go anywhere, anywhere in Europe. Please don't go there. And I was like, you know what? He doesn't ask a lot of me when I go around the world. I'm going to respect that. And so I think that's like kind of such a cool thing to remember as a parent is when you have, you have like the boundary, but then a lot of flexibility within the boundary. (laughs) So that's funny that you say that when I went to Turkey, I didn't tell my mom until I came home. Oh, there you go. Yeah. But she had never set that rule. I wasn't yeah. breaking a rule. I think she forgot Turkey exists. It's not something that came up in conversation, but there's yeah. a really good flight deal. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll go to Turkey. And then I was like, but I'm not, I'm not going to tell my mom. She's going to be so mad at me. Cause I went by myself and I was like, I'll, I'll come back. And I was like, yeah. oh, I've been gone for a week. I was in Turkey, but I'm alive. So it's I made like- it. <laughs> oh <laughs> I my gosh. I did get thrown off a train while it was moving, but in a very helpful kind of, I had missed my station. <laughs> They were like, just go. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it worked out in your favor. Fine. You made it. Yeah. <laughs> that was like, I went, I went, zip, I'm not ziplining. I went uh, bungee jumping in New Zealand and I didn't specifically did not tell my mom until. I, re- I remember that because <laughs> yeah. your mom had posted about it. I know. So we talk a lot about our family on this, on this, in this, in this conversation right now. And I think you mentioned before, it stems back to our grandma. And so I think it's really important to kind of send a little nod to our grandma and who's up in heaven right now, laughing at us right now that we're having this conversation, but she used to go on these big adventures with her sister and they, she would always bring back a Madonna from her every single place that she went to, she'd bring back a Madonna. So when we'd go to her house, there was just like a hundred of these Madonnas all over her house, but they would always say on the bottom, like, I, I have a Madonna from her from Bethlehem from the eighties or if you, you know, and, and I think each of us kind of got to take some of those, but I just think I remember at seven or eight years old, I asked her if I could interview her with a tape recorder, like a full blown tape recorder. And I wanted to ask her about all the places she traveled to. And I'm so upset that I don't know where that tape recorder is. I asked my dad about it. Like it's, it's maybe in a box somewhere in my parents' house, but I asked her about her trip to the Amazon. Like she's going by herself with her sister, like no men at the time, which is a little crazy to be traveling that way. And I just, everyone always says, 
where, where, why do you love to travel? Where did this come from? And I think we, we've been alluding to like, it's in our blood. Like our, yeah. we've, it's been passed down. We've got, you know, very courageous, <laughs> very courageous parents and grandparents. And so I think that's a really good kind of transition into my next question about raising a family. And you guys have traveled a lot with your kids. You've made the decision to homeschool to allow more freedom in what you're able to teach them and how you're able to travel. I think it's such a good reminder to parents that even though they might not fully remember the trip or maybe they're really young and you think, I don't know, should I do it? They're not going to remember this type of value, this type of sense of being of who you are really gets passed down from generation to generation. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about what that's been like for you to travel with your kids, because it's very different to just (laughs) deciding to move from London to South Korea back to London. It's very, you know, a little more organized. I have more Um, a lot more baggage. (laughs) So yeah, I'd love for you to share that. Yeah. So we started traveling with our oldest Mahler when he was three months old, not because we wanted to travel with him, but because I wanted to go somewhere and he needed to come with us because I was nursing. So I was like, I'm, I'm not going to not go on this trip because I have a kid. I'm just going to bring him with me by far the easiest trip I've ever taken. He napped almost the entire time. Right. So right. Just like, this is fine. They don't, neither of my children nap anymore. They are more awake. They both remember <laughs> far more than I expect them to, which I really, mm. I enjoy. But a lot of what I have found that I like the most about traveling with the kids isn't necessarily the specific memories, but new family traditions, I guess. So when Mahler, I hope when he listens to this when he's like 20, he's like, why did you tell the general public this? <laughs> so he was a baby. He was three months old. And we were on a tour of an opera house in Dresden, I think. I don't even remember the specific city. And he had a massive blowout diaper. Oh, gosh. I don't know how many times any of y'all have tried to find family bathrooms with changing tables in Europe. There are not a lot of them. Nope, so not a lot. So I had to change a very disgusting diaper in this gilded bathroom. And I was like, I'm just going to do it on the floor. <laughs> and these all these old opera ladies were like, what is this woman doing? And I had brought a change of shirts for Manny and for me in case like our shirt got dirty. And I forgot to bring a change of clothes for Mahler. Oh my so gosh. Like, put a new diaper on and I put him in Manny's shirt. So it was like this massive t-shirt on this little <laughs> three month old. And we called it big t-shirt day. And he just spent the day in a big t-shirt. Big t-shirt day is still something we do in our family where we just kind of lounge around in big t-shirts and no pants and just hang out at home. And that's just big t-shirt day is something that our family that's does. That's so cute. And it all started because I forgot to pay, wear or to pack a change of clothes for him. And he had a an incident. Again, he was a baby. This happens. <laughs> and when we were in Paris, he was 18 months old and stopped at every stoop to sit on every single it took us (laughs) oh my gosh because he's like he's so cute he is i mean i'm biased but this child is adorable and he stopped at every and that's still like we make this joke whenever we see a cool doorway we're like Mahler, sit on the stoop this is something that you liked doing he's like okay whatever i'll do it he's getting he's getting too old for our shenanigans too cool Um, for the stoop now he's too cool for the stoop (laughs) Uh, but yeah, we just, we like taking them places to experience new things and mostly for them to understand just the greater world. I feel like travel makes you more empathetic. Mm -hmm. Mahler has now he he's into Minecraft, which at first I was like, Oh my God, a video game. Minecraft's amazing. I love it. I'm obsessed with it. But he plays Minecraft with like a friend in Dubai, his cousin in North Carolina. So like he, he plays with people now that like we, we know from our travels, he can stay connected with them. And it's just, it's fun to hear him talk about like how diff the way different things are for their family. He's always amazed. He wakes up to play Minecraft with Henry in Dubai and Henry is getting home from school. He's like, what? Uh, so it really gives him just a, just a better understanding of, of life in general. We, he missed his first day of kindergarten because we were in Scotland he missed his last day of kindergarten because we were in Texas. And that is what made us realize that what, public school is obviously not 
it's not fair to the teacher and the other class. We just kept not going because we're like, well, I just, we're going to go do this instead. Right. Right. Like, let's, we'll just, we'll, we'll just teach at home or teach wherever. So it just, it fits better into, into our travel, our travel lifestyle. But it's, I mean, mostly we started traveling with our kids because it's fun. It is hard, but it's way more fun. Yeah. I I read a quote and I'm going to talk a a lot about this, I think coming up, but I was saying just because something's hard doesn't mean it's bad. Right. And I really was like, oh, mind blown. My literally my (laughs) whole brain just exploded because I think we always shy away from something that's hard because we automatically assume that it's bad. And we talk about this a lot on the podcast as well is parenting's hard no matter where you are. It's hard when you're home. It's hard when you're in Spain. It's hard when you're in Jamaica. Maybe it's a little more convenient when you're at home because you got all your stuff. But it's hard wherever you are. And so like, let's just try to make this fun. And like you said, you're not you didn't want to stop to, you know, you weren't going to stop exploring because you wanted to see the world and you weren't going to stop because he needed to nurse. So let's bring him along. And I think that's really cool. I love the idea of creating new traditions. That's something for me, I think as well, that's been passed down in our family is just things that are, I I also think it's an oldest daughter thing, wanting to like preserve traditions, (laughs) wanting to preserve traditions. And uh, I think that's really cool. Is there anything that you guys do like in the airport or when you first land somewhere, is there anything like tradition wise that you do while you travel as a family? So Mahler and I started geocaching uh, in our neighborhood, which is something dad and I used to do when I was a kid. And I totally forgot that it, not a kid. I think I was in high school, but I forgot it existed. And then I started doing it with Mahler in our neighborhood. And then we're like, we should do this while we travel. And it's, it is fun, not just for children as a, as so what is what is geocaching? Geocaching? Caching? Geocaching. Geocaching. Okay. There's also something called letterboxing. I'm not entirely sure of the difference. So geocaching is now it's kind of it's an app. It's an app. It's on the internet, and there are coordinates, and there are clues. So you kind of navigate to those coordinates, and then there are clues to help you find the specific thing at this coordinate, and they're usually very small boxes. Mm. And inside the box is a little notebook and you like, you wrote your, you write your name and your date and you can go through and see all of the other people. How cool. Sometimes you leave something small and then take something. So like we, when we travel, we leave an American penny and then we can take something. And so it's just like a neat and, but it leads you to really random places. And sometimes they put them at touristy sites. So like it, it helps you get to a touristy location, but they're often just like in neighborhoods. There are, I think, 12 in our neighborhood. No way. I've just, never even heard cool, of this. Oh, it's so much fun. I'm so excited. It's you like a scavenger it. hunt. It is exactly like a scavenger hunt. You have to have a good GPS on your phone mm-hmm. or a, a way to actually find coordinates. And then there's little clues. Some of them are way too hard for Mahler and I. We we have not been able to figure out some of them. You can go through the the comments and like sometimes people leave extra clues, but it's just, it's a fun thing that we started doing because I, re- I just assumed it was an American thing, but it's everywhere. And it's a really, it's a neat thing. Emin, my daughter is not super into it. I don't, I don't know if Emin's got the travel exploring gene. <laughs> I hope this changes, but the other day she's like, I don't want to do anything. I did something yesterday. <laughs> Like, you know what? I feel like okay. Layla, my oldest, kind of has a little bit of the same. She's like, I don't want to go to dance. I just want to be at home. And I'm like, what do you yes. mean? Let's go to dance. Let's go meet new friends. She's like, no, I just, I think I want to be at home. And I'm like, oh no. Right? <laughs> oh no. This is not going to, I am a, I love to do things. Yeah. And I have to drag Evan. She does like going, she likes to go to new places. So she likes to learn about the dances at new places. Oh, how cute. Right now. So we did Kylie dancing in Scotland. We're going to a flamenco show in Spain. Cool. So So that's a cool way. I do. That's a cool way to say, okay, maybe I have a more of a homebody child or I have a kid that maybe is overwhelmed by new experiences. It's like, okay, they're interested in this one specific thing because kids are always interested in just one specific thing and it changes every three months. Exactly. But say, hey, you're really into dance. Let's choose, you get to choose what kind of dance we go look at and like trying to get them involved that way. Cause a lot of people assume families who travel a lot, just their kids just like to travel and that's not always the case. So it's, that's a really cool creative way 
to get your kid involved and on board and feel like they have power in that kind of situation. I feel like dad did that with Kelsey and I. Again, I love to travel. My parents love to travel. My parents and I love to hike. We love to be outdoors. We love history. None of these things does Kelsey enjoy. Right. So we hiked to the bottom of the Grand Canyon, and then we spent four days in Las Vegas where right. Kelsey got there to go, go shopping and lay at the pool. We like would go to New York City, and I was like, all right, but I want to do this, this, and this. But we also got to go shopping into a Broadway. There's always shopping <laughs> and go to a Broadway play. So I feel like that's how I was raised too. We kind of always incorporated something that we knew Kelsey would enjoy just in a different place. And Emin is surprisingly a lot like Kelsey. Yeah. <laughs> so it's probably karma. For those of y'all who are not related to Kelly and I, Kelsey and I did not get along growing up. Kelsey and I were not very good friends. <laughs> we are now. Um, I feel but, like that's um, a, a, a sisters who are close in age though. That tends to happen. Yeah. So yeah. We're just very different personalities. Yeah. And now that we're adults, we can handle it. But it might be karma that Emin is is like my sister as little little, like little Kels. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. How cute. So I normally wrap up these episodes with four rapid fire questions, like a little travel pop quiz. And then I'll, I'll, I just would love for you to share afterwards how people can connect with you and especially be able to go on tour with you around the world because I think yeah. that's so cool. So the first question is, if you could only go back to one country, place, or town, what would, where would it be and why? I feel like everyone should already know this, but it would be London. Yeah. Because it smells good. <laughs> the London <Okay>. smell. <laughs> I'll bottle it no, up. I just, and <laughs> I, They should. I just, I love, I love everything about London. Even the dreary gray sky. I love the museums. I love the culture. I love the food. I just like being in London. Amazing. Okay. Number two is what's number one on your bucket list right now? Machu Picchu because I'm afraid they're going to close it. Oh <laughs> yeah. Forest. So mm. I think we're going to go to Peru next fall. Mom, mom wants to go. I won't, I really want to do the hike, but neither my mom nor my children can. So mm. I'll probably take the train, but I just, I want to see it. And I, my fear <laughs> Is that they're going to be like, you know what? Y'all tours suck. So you can't come anymore. So I want to get in there before that changes. Yeah. I think that's a really valid thing to consider for people that are like, oh, I'll do Machu Picchu when I'm, when I'm have more time from work, when I have more money, when I have this. And that's to say anywhere around the world, I'll do this. I'll do X when Y happens. And like you just said, we don't have control over when things close down. We don't have control over when the weather changes everything. So do it, you know, do it while yeah. you can. Talk to my parents. They just came back from Peru last year. So oh, I they'll. <laughs> I have number, th number three is what's the biggest life lesson you've learned while traveling? Mm. Patience and flexibility, probably. Mm. Neither of which I'm very good at. <laughs> it's a continual but life lesson. Always. But it's, I mean, it's, it's something I feel like I'm actually good at while traveling, but not good at home. And I need to. I need to take that and remember, like, I'm just, I'm traveling my home and still right. remember that flexibility is needed. Integrate your travel self with your home self and it would become the, the best of both worlds. Exactly. <laughs> and then number four is what would be your one piece of advice for a traveler who's just starting out or someone who really wants to get out there in the world, but just doesn't have quite know where to go? Oh, this is my advice for everything. Getting married, having kids, starting a company, literally in life. If you wait until you're ready, you're never going to do it. Just, just do it. Right. Nike. Be Nike. <laughs> it's just, and it's hard for me. I am a, a perfectionist. I am a planner. Instagram has diagnosed me with OCD and HDHD, <laughs> but I like things. I like to know what I'm doing, know what I'm getting myself into. And I can't, I just, I just need to start. Because you're never, you're not, you're going to find a reason not to, if you're looking for one. Exactly. So just, just do it. You'll figure it out. And, and if you need, if you don't know, don't know where to go, when you go to your new place, look up a tour and, exactly. and, and tour with Camden. <laughs> Tours all over yes, the world. I, I love that segue. <laughs> <laughs> so for people who want to connect with you and be able to find you online, find your business online, where's the best place for them to be able to connect? So there are a thousand ways. So freetoursbyfoot.com is the overarching website. You can find all of our cities, all of our travel advice, all of our guided tours. 
For DC specifically, we're also at dcbyfoot.com. I lead our historic Georgetown and our Lincoln assassination tours specifically, if you like the sound of my voice and would like <laughs> to continue listening to it. And then Tour Guide Tell All is our podcast. I'm actually not on the podcast. I do the back end because I am very surprised my house has been quiet the entire time that we've been chatting, but this is not a common occurrence. I have <laughs> a barky dog, two kids, and my husband's a percussionist. So we're not podcast friendly. <laughs> Exactly. In, in this house. Not a soundproofed house. Not even remotely. But Tour Guide Tell All talks about really just wor- historic figures and people and events around the world. And I love it. So you can support me kind of just by just by listening to it. And then my books are, they're on Amazon. I'm saying this with an eye roll if that is where you buy books. I prefer bookshop.org, but you do you. I'm the only Candon on Amazon. And I publish under my maiden name, Candon Schwantis. All of my books are about DC specifically, though. So it's a yeah. thing everyone should learn about. I love the wild women of DC. I think that's yes. the coolest. I think when, you know, when kids are learning about history, they need to be reading these books because it's such a fun way to make history come alive and make it fun and, and, and right. really learn the backstories of everything. I so call everyone it go history. Sneaky history. Yeah. Everyone go rush, rush to bookshop.org and go grab, go grab Candon's books. But thank you so much. I was just laughing this entire podcast. I can't wait to see you next year for my sister's wedding. And maybe I if know. we can sneak our way up to DC a little earlier, we can come see you. Please do. Though we're not bringing the kids to the wedding. So my children, oh, well, the entire month I mean, don't even Texas. come. Don't even come if you're not going to bring the so cute mad. kids. And she was like, what? <laughs> Uh, the kids spend June in Texas. I get a whole month without my children and they get to spend time with Manny's family. It's yeah. A good, it's good on both sides. Amazing. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll be kid free that weekend. Awesome. Very looking forward to, but we'll, we'll, we'll come to, we'll come to Florida. We're going to Disney World at some point next year. Yeah. Well, between the two of us, we're traveling, we're orbiting around each other at some stage. So we'll, we'll meet up, but or thank how you. Great. And a proper, would it be if our children met somewhere like, Oh, the first time they met, we're all in Thailand. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Very Speaking fair. of come to Thailand with us next year. So <laughs> with that, I will say thank you so much for taking the time. I'm so excited for our listeners to hear, you know, from my family and get a little bit more. I'm sure people now understand me a little bit more after hearing from you. And I'm just really excited for people to be able to listen and share and connect with you. Yay. Thank you. It was so much fun. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Transform with Travel podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode of inspiration, adventure, and exploration. If you felt inspired by this episode, please rate and review in whatever streaming app you're listening from. This allows us to spread the word even more and continue to serve up weekly doses of adventure. As always, we'd love if you could share the episode with someone in your life who you think will benefit from this conversation. Thanks so much for listening. This is your reminder to get out there and keep on exploring.